Go ahead and turn to the gospel according to Matthew. If you haven't already, it's the first book in the New Testament. Matthew's been showing us a few things over and over again in every passage. And really it's who Jesus is, what Jesus came to do, and what Jesus brings to us weary, needy sinners, uh, people like you and, and like me. That Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, that he is the Lord, and he is the ruler and Lord of all. And in today's passage reveals the exact same thing. Four things that Jesus brings to weary people. And we're going to begin in Matthew 20, 29. So Matthew 20, 29, and we're going to read through through 21, 17. So either follow along in your Bible or it's, it's, going, to, it's going to take over your screen right now in, in, in a few seconds. So let's, let's read along together, beginning in Matthew 20, 29. And this is what Matthew wrote by the power of the Spirit. As they were leaving Jericho, this is Jesus and his disciples, a large crowd followed them. There were two blind men sitting by the road, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd demanded that they keep quiet, but, the, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. So Jesus stopped, called them, and said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said to him, open our eyes. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they could see, and they followed him. Chapter 21, verse 1. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples telling them, go into the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its colt, and they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. And the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar, saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders that he did and the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus replied, yes. Have you never read? You have prepared praise from the mouths of infants and nursing babies. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. This is God's word. Every time 
I, I have to travel. Whether it's a 10-day trip to Colombia or to Dubai or uh, just a few days somewhere else. And whenever I come back from one of these places, maybe it's a conference or whatever it may, it may be, my kids always ask, as soon as I come through that garage and I see them, they, they run up to me and they start to ask, what'd you bring us? What'd you bring us? And sometimes I bring them a stuffed animal, like I brought them two little stuffed camels from Dubai. Uh, sometimes it's some discount toys and Legos from Colombia. Uh, sometimes I bring them an exotic food or candy that I know they will not like. That way, Natalie, my wife, and I can enjoy it. Uh, but there was one trip recently when I came back, I totally forgot to get them something. And I came in through the garage. They hear the garage opening, they hear the door open, and they run up to me and give me a big hug and say, what'd you bring us? And I'm scrambling because I remember, oh, I didn't, I didn't bring anything. I, I totally forgot. Um, so I just searched for an answer and I said, here's what I brought you. Me. Your, your gift is me. Ta-da. And they both stood there and kind of looked at me wondering if they should be disappointed or not. But then they yelled, yay, Papa. And they, they gave me big hugs and they, we were all hugging. I started tickling them and it's just good to be back together. But then a few moments went by, of course, and they say, okay, but for real, is there anything else that you brought us? No, sorry. It's, it's just me, kids, just me. And I thought about it this week as I looked at this passage. Church, did you notice the first thing that Jesus brings us weary people? From the beginning of the passage to the end, what we read, whether Jesus was walking towards these blind men, whether he was riding on a donkey into Jerusalem with those palm branches crunching under those hooves, what was Jesus ultimately bringing these weary people? Himself. This is the first and greatest thing Jesus brings. And what we all need most right now is that we got to see that Jesus brings Jesus. The gift, that, the gift that Jesus brings is Jesus brings Jesus. So we see at the beginning of this passage, these blind men needed Jesus. And the city of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, and the whole world needs Jesus. And right now, you and me, while we're social distancing, while we're worried about work and society, while we're maybe running low on toilet paper, uh, while we wonder about life and death itself and the world, Jesus enters in and brings us himself. This pandemic, all who are exhausted and anxious, he says, why don't you come to me? and I can give you rest. See, we must begin here with Jesus, about Jesus bringing us Jesus, because Jesus does bring us other good things. Jesus does bring good and, and glorious gifts, because that's who Jesus is. Jesus is good and glorious. But what we got to see right now, whether you grew up in church uh, or maybe this is the first time you, you've heard a preacher, you're tuning in, somebody shared this on Facebook or sent you a YouTube link or, or whatever, and, and you're tuning in and watching. Maybe this is the first time you've heard a preacher in years, or, or maybe you've been in church for 40 years. What we all need right now is Jesus Christ, is to look at him and, and enjoy who he is and believe who he is for us in this passage. Look at how Jesus is described. If you have your Bible, look at verse 30 from chapter 20, 2030. The blind men call him Lord three times in this little section. Verse 30, verse 31, verse 33, they call him Lord. 
these guys recognize, though, though they're blind, that Jesus is the true and living God. That he's not like every other teacher. That he's not like every other prophet. That there's something unique about Jesus of Nazareth and that he is the Lord. That he is God himself, the son of God. That he's not um, baby God. He's not diet God. He's not watered down God. He's not God junior. He's not pre-calculus God, but that, that he is the eternal God himself, the Lord and you notice they also call him son of David. This is an Old Testament way of, of saying he's the Messiah. He's the savior we need. He's the one who will rescue people from their sins. And then in chapter 21, verse five, he's called the king. That Jesus is king. That Jesus is Lord. And that Jesus will reign forever over the universe. That, that's what this Bible, that's what this message, that's what this gospel, that's what Today's summary is that Jesus is king and he wants you to enjoy his kingdom with him. So who is Jesus to you? Everybody has, everybody watching, we all have thoughts about Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? Do you see him the way the Bible describes him as Lord, as the Messiah, as the savior, as the king? Do you see his cross as more than just a religious symbol that you could buy at Hobby Lobby or wear around your neck? Do you see the cross as the place where Jesus actually paid for your sins, your actual sins against God? That as Jesus was nailed to that cross willingly to, to pay for your sins, is that how you see it? As, as him being there as your Messiah? Do you see his empty tomb as a statement from God of long live the king, follow my son? If you believe these things, then you will see and enjoy the rest of the benefits that Christ brings to weary people. He brings us himself. And then secondly, we see is that Jesus brings mercy. Jesus brings mercy. And we all need mercy in a, in a time like this. Well, in verse 29 of chapter 20, what do the blind men ask for? What do you see? Let's look at verse 29. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. A large crowd, that really stands out. It's amazing how when you read the Bible, how words stand out that wouldn't have normally stand out with, with whatever's going on in our culture. You see a large crowd, that pops out because of our social distancing time. But there were the large crowd, and in verse 30, there are two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. They want, they want mercy. And the crowd tells them to quiet down. Look, keep reading. 31, the crowd demanded that they keep quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. I, I love that about these guys. They just want an interaction with Jesus. They just want mercy from Jesus. And what's crazy is that other followers of Christ are telling them to pipe down. Christians, sometimes, we, us followers of Jesus, we can mess this up, can't we? we? Sometimes we make it difficult for people to experience the mercy of Jesus. And we got to realize that. Sometimes we've made it more challenging for people to experience Christ and to meet Christ. And sometimes 
Every time we need to get out of the way and tell people, this is the way to Jesus. This is how you can find him. Here, I'll point you right to him. Here's where he is in the passage. Let's go and talk to him. And maybe, maybe this has been your experience. Maybe you needed God in a dark time. You needed mercy from God during a rough year of suffering and loss or pain and heartache. And maybe you went to church looking for help and you saw no clear path to Jesus. You just saw empty religion. Uh, You saw hypocrisy. I'm sorry if that was your experience. But today, you can call out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. He's ready to meet with you. Lord, I've messed up my marriage. Lord, I've I've sinned. Lord, I have these addictions. I have these hidden sins. Lord, I don't know. Lord, be kind to us. Show us mercy. See, Jesus brings a merciful kindness to us today. He's willing to forgive us. He's willing to help us. He's willing to encourage us. He's willing to empower us if you call out for his kindness. Look at verse 32. Jesus stopped, called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? It's amazing. What would you say? You call out to Jesus and he he comes over to you. What, What do you want me to do for you? Ignore the impulse that you feel like you should say. Well, Uh, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, I I want world peace for everyone, Jesus. I want you to end world hunger. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus is asking. What do you want me to do for the world? He says, what do you want me to do for you? For you. Get personal with Jesus. Jesus is a personal, loving, kind, direct, gracious friend. What do you want him to do for you? They answer, we want to see. And Jesus does it. He heals them. Look, verse 34, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they could see. I love the Bible points out that Jesus, we get like an x-ray, like an MRI of his heart and it's compassion that comes out. Jesus is moved with compassion towards them. And heals them and he's moved with compassion towards you. He sees you. He he knows if you've lost your job this past couple of weeks. He knows what's going on in your marriage. He knows what's going on in your home and in your mind. He cares about your life and what you're facing. That's why he asked, what do you want me to do for you? These things matter to Jesus. And he wants you to bring them to them to him. He wants you to vocalize them from faith so that you would offer it up to him. And Jesus can say, I can help you with that. What I love about this is that Jesus doesn't recoil away from us. He's compassionate toward us, willing that his mercy would touch our hearts and touch our minds and touch our souls and restore us. And did you notice, look again at verse 34 that Jesus touched their eyes. If you read this in the midst of everything we're going through, of course, it's like social distancing. You're not even supposed to touch your own eyes. Jesus is touching their eyes. Listen, I am so glad that Jesus, I'm just so reminded that Jesus has not practiced social distancing with us. He left heaven 
came near to us. He became a man. The eternal son of God became a man and he walked all over Israel, inviting sinners, healing the disease and the sick and freeing the demonized. And he, he rode on a donkey into Israel and he went right to the cross to pay for our sins. And he rose again from the dead as the king of all. And he is drawing near to us today from his word because he tells us that his sheep will hear his voice and they will, he will draw near to us and you will draw near to him. So Jesus is even drawing near to us. And now, as Paul tells us in Acts 17, that he is not far from each one of us. Christ is present. He came to save you. He came to restore you. He came to heal you. He came to encourage you. He's willing to forgive you. He's willing to remove the shame that you have stuffed down in your soul. So what is the greatest need of your soul? Offer it up to Christ. Ask Christ for mercy, for forgiveness of sins, for new life. And notice after Jesus gives mercy, the, these blind men don't just say thanks and go about their lives. Look at the end of verse 30. So immediately they could see and look, and they followed him. They, they followed Jesus. Friends, this is how you know that you've really experienced the mercy of Jesus is that you follow him. Not just say, hey, thanks for helping me out, Lord. That was great. And, uh, and I'll see you later. See, a lot of people have a one time kind of crying out for help to God. And then once that situation's removed, they feel like they don't need God anymore. That kind of person should not have any confidence that they're a Christian. The Bible doesn't recognize any kind of Christianity that doesn't actually involve following Christ. Christians follow Christ. This is who we are. Now, do we do this perfectly? Of course not. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we follow Jesus. That's why we're not walking side by side with him, why we're not in front of him. That's why we're following him. And that's why we need him. Being a Christian means you follow Christ in all of life. Not just that you want his gifts, but that you also want him. You want to follow him, follow his ways, follow his teaching, follow his life, follow his promises, following him and, and how to handle your money, how to handle your marriage, how to handle your kids, how to handle everything about your life. Because you are a citizen of the kingdom of Christ. And this is the third thing Jesus brings. We saw Jesus brings Jesus, Jesus brings mercy, and now Jesus brings the kingdom. Jesus brings the kingdom. So beginning in chapter 21, we read about Jesus setting up these arrangements for him to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, here's what you need to know about Jerusalem. Um, in Israel, in the first century, in Jewish life, Jerusalem is huge. It, Jerusalem is kind of like three areas, three cities in the United States for us, if you can think about it this way. At this time, Jerusalem is like New York City. Jerusalem's like Washington, D.C., and Jerusalem's like Silicon Valley. This, this city is a place of power, of influence, of politics and religion, and of cultural impact. The, this city is unlike uh, any city in our day. And Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Why? Matthew tells us why in verse 5. Look, tell daughter Zion, this is a quote, Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you. Your, your king 
is coming to you. He's saying, your king's here. The king that they've been waiting for since Genesis chapter 3. The king that they've truly wanted and needed even since the book of 1 Samuel and Judges and throughout the rest of the Old Testament, they've wanted and craved some good king. And Jesus, Matthew's telling us the king is here. He's setting up his kingdom. He's riding into Jerusalem to announce the king is here. My reign and rule, it's here. Now, this doesn't happen in our country. We don't have kings, but we've seen movies and we've seen in the news how this kinds of things happen. So imagine Jesus riding in on a donkey. You got the palm branches, you got people laying their clothes on the ground. You got this parade, all this kinds of stuff. Well, you've seen this in the movie Aladdin. It's an ancient Middle Eastern culture. Not, not too much of a stretch. You, you imagine that scene, make way for Prince Ali. He's got 75 golden camels. He's got peacocks. He's got every exotic type mammal all riding in to show his greatness. A big show of pomp and regalia and displays of power and impressiveness. Or today, you can think of North Korea or Russia and their military parades, displays of power, rockets rolling down the street, soldiers coordinated, marching, intimidating. So how does Jesus roll into Jerusalem? On a donkey, on a lowly work animal. Not a stallion, not a war horse, not the Maserati of the animal kingdom. But he's like riding in on a busted out Kia. This is Jesus' red carpet ride. And it's prophesied from Zechariah 9.9. Zechariah prophesied centuries before. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Why? Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Why? Look. Your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. So this is Jesus, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Remember in the Matthew's passage, we see here in the Zechariah passage, Jesus is actually, there's two donkeys. I'd never realized it till this week that there's actually two donkeys present. And Jesus is riding in on the colt, on on the young donkey, the new kid donkey. And the mom has to come along to help, to comfort the colt. You can't get a more unimpressive ride than one that needs its mom to come to work with it. So what's the point? What's Jesus teaching us? It's showing us something about him. That yes, as Zechariah pointed out, he is righteous and he is victorious, but that he's also humble and he's also gentle. See, Jesus' red carpet arrival is meant to teach us something about him. Just like Kim Jong-un's military parades and Vladimir Putin's military marches, they want to teach by their display. They want to teach we are powerful, we are authoritative, fear us, do as we say or else. Jesus wants to teach with his arrival on the cult too. And he wants to teach us, I'm not here to intimidate you. I'm here to invite you. I'm accessible. You you can approach me. I'm inviting you into my kingdom. And I'm not here to impress you. I'm not insecure. I don't need anyone's validation. I have my father in heaven's approval. 
See, Jesus is teaching that he's not here to threaten us or hurt us by his kingdom. He's here to save us. He's here to serve us. He's here to help us. He's here to die for us. He's here to rise for us. He's here to heal us. This is who Jesus is. Humble and gentle, riding in on a donkey. He's the Messiah we need, but yet don't deserve. And he rides in on this measly cult so he can take away our sins. Headed to the cross. And all you must do is believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. For you. See, a lot of people know Jesus died on the cross. There will be history channel specials and stuff rolling out every time, this time of year as we get close to Easter about Jesus' death on the cross. Everybody knows Jesus died on the cross. But to be a Christian and to benefit from Jesus' death on the cross is to look at it and know he did that for me. He did that for my actual sins against God. That I I need his death for salvation or else I'm going to spend eternity separated from the goodness of God, suffering in, in hell forever. But know that Christ can save you. That's why the crowds are laying down their garments and palm branches on the road before Jesus. And so, so kids, if you made the, the palm branch craft or you've got one, you ripped one out from your yard, whatever, uh, you wave that bad boy in the air, fan your dad with it if he's falling asleep, and, and then lay them on the ground like the crowds are doing in this celebra- celebratory parade. Because the king is here, and look at what the crowd is yelling out. You can see this in chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. It says, the crowd is shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So the word Hosanna, it just simply means, oh, save. It's a cry. It's a, oh, save us. Save us. Salvation now. Salvation's here. That's what's happening. So so you know what this little scene is of Jesus riding in on the donkey, of the crowds front, back, side, behind all yelling, Hosanna, save us, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know what all this is? This is Jesus' walk-up music. This is his hype music into Jerusalem. You know, maybe you got a song that hypes you up as you get ready to clean the house or you work in the yard. And we put on my kids, they have hype music as we take them to their soccer games when boxers are walking out from the back to the ring, they got their song playing. Or when baseball players go up to bat and their little clip comes over the PA system, they got walk-up music. Well, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, headed towards crucifixion. He knows why he's headed to the city and his walk-up music is Hosanna. His walk-up music is, oh, save. Blessed is he. He, Christ, who comes in the name of the Lord. This is all from Psalm 118, a song of praise from the Hebrew hymnal. Jesus came to bring salvation for you. And his walk up music is him hearing how he came to save sinners. His hype music as he's riding on this humble colt is hearing Hosanna, come and save, come and save, come and save. And you, you can join and, and sing it too. You can join and, and sing it by faith. If you trust in him and believe in him, and if you worship him, you can join in. And this song could become your song that you sing too. Because this is the last thing we see that Jesus brings to us weary people. Jesus brings Jesus, Jesus brings mercy. 
Jesus brings the kingdom and Jesus brings reasons to worship. Jesus brings reasons to worship. This, the passage ends with Jesus going into the temple in the temple area and seeing people buying and, and selling sacrificial animals. He's seeing commercial transactions happening in place and he flips the tables over. He, he drives them out. We go from the, the humble, gentle Jesus and now him coming in and he's, he's cleaning up the temple area. Now, some people think Jesus did this because he's upset that people are being ripped off, that they're being price gouged. I, I don't know if that's true. You can see in the passage in verse 12 of chapter 21 that Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those that were buying and selling. So it seems like Jesus is not thrilled that this is happening in the temple. Historically, we can see that it, this is not uncommon that they would sell these sacrificial animals for pilgrims and people that journeyed a long way. That, but it used to be outside of the temple, just a few blocks. But now they've moved it into the temple and Jesus is not happy about that. Because his point is this in verse 13. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. He's, he's telling them, you've lost sight of what you're coming here to do. You've made it a business. This is supposed to be a place of praying. And notice that Jesus says, my house. He sees the temple complex and Israelites understood this is, this is like God's place where we go and to meet with God and worship him and pray to him and sacrifice to him. Jesus looks at it all and says, this is my house. In other passages, he says, my father's house would be called the house of prayer. That's the same thing. My, my son, my six-year-old son, he doesn't walk around the house and tell his friends and tell the neighbor kids, oh, this is my father's house. He says, no, this is my house. Come to my house. I want to go to my home. And the same thing, Jesus walks in the temple and says, this is my house. And you're abusing it. That they've lost sight of what true religion is meant to be. But a personal, real time, real life with God. Not cold transactions. Not rote doing this and doing that. But real life with God. And that's what Jesus shows us as he continues to heal people in the temple. He drives out the money changers. And what does he do now? He begins to serve. He begins to heal the blind, the paralyzed. Because that's what real religion is about. It's about real time life with God and enjoying the goodness of God. That God is here, that the king is here, that the kingdom is here, but the religious elite can't, can't stand it. Look at verse 15. When the chief priests and the scribes, these are the religious elite of, of the day, saw the wonders that he did healing people and the children shouting in the temple. So what was being shouted on the streets is, is now in, in the temple. And they're shouting the same thing. Hosanna to the son of David. Oh, save, save us, son of David. And look at what the religious elite say. It says they're indignant, verse 16, and said to Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? They're basically saying, Jesus, do you hear what these kids are saying about you? They're yelling out, you're the savior. They're yelling out for you to save. They're, they're praising you. Stop them, Jesus. Aren't you concerned? See Jesus' reaction? I, I think Jesus smiles. I think he gets a little smile in the corner of his mouth. And he says in verse 16, Jesus replied, yes, yeah. I hear him. How could you not hear him? 
got a schoolyard of kids chanting out to me, Hosanna to the Son of David. Of course I hear them. And look what Jesus says. Have you never read? The Bible says this was going to happen. Old Testament said this is going to happen. You have prepared praise from the mouth, from the mouths of infants and nursing babes. Jesus says, the Bible said, little ones, little kids, we're going to praise me. And so kids, if you're still around, if you're behind the couch, if you're rolling around on the ground, listen, kids, Jesus loves when you sing to him. He loves when you speak truth about him. He, he welcomes your worship. Worshiping Jesus is not just reserved for adults and older people. Jesus welcomes your worship too. And, and everyone listening, Jesus is worthy of worship. He doesn't stop these people from worshiping him. You notice that? Sometimes it's said, oh, Jesus, you know, he's just like every other religious teacher. Tell me a religious teacher that we think it's okay for him to be worshiped by people. Jesus welcomes their worship because Jesus is the king, because Jesus is the Lord, because Jesus is the Messiah, the one who died and the one who rose again and the one who saves us from our sins. These are the reasons he brings for us to worship him. No one else has done that for us. He's the only one that gives mercy to sinners. He's the only one that can bring us into the kingdom of God. He's the only one that can remove all of our shame and take away our guilt. He's the only one that can give us eternal life. And he's the only one who can give us everlasting peace in a time like this. So do you worship Jesus? I know, I know maybe a lot of you listening, you might think highly of Jesus. You might respect Jesus, but do you worship him? That's when you know, that's when you know if you're a Christian, that you worship Jesus and glorify Christ, that he's your king. If you're a Christian, remember all these reasons you have to worship him. Remember his mercy. Remember he's the Lord. Remember he's your king and and treat him as such. And just, and and maybe, maybe, because I know sometimes we come to the Bible or we come to a live stream or or we go to church or we go to spirituality, we go to read, whatever. And sometimes we go to this and we think, God, what are you going to bring me? What are you going to give me today, God? Maybe we'll begin to see that it all, it all begins with this answer. What are you bringing us, God? Jesus. Jesus is the gift. Jesus is what he brings to us weary people. He brings us his mercy. He brings us his kingdom. He brings us reasons to worship him because he brings us himself. Come to Jesus. Let's pray together. King Jesus, we we praise you and we thank you that you are the Lord of heaven and earth, that you've given us your mercy, that you give us reasons to sing, you give us reasons to rejoice. And so right now, Jesus, would you help us to to really to enjoy your mercy, to, to look at our lives and those of us that are Christians, to look at it and see, to see how much mercy you've poured out on us, the kindness that you've overflowed on us. And when we look at you and, and see our King and see our Lord, see our Savior and worship you as such, not just to worship you in song, but to worship you with our lives and to follow you like those blind men did. So help us to follow you and to continue to follow you today, Lord. 
And we praise you for your, your, your life and your death on the cross and your resurrection as the king of the universe. Make this so real to us, Jesus, even now as we're separated and we're in different homes and we're watching this live stream this morning, would you make yourself real to us now, King Jesus? Would you give us a special and a sweet enjoyment of you as we gather in this way? Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your name that we pray, King Jesus. Amen.